Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. <laughs> Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are busy for the last eight years deconstructing Buffett's investing strategies and tactics. And we've been talking about sort of a matrix of, uh, of the weather matrix mm-hmm. that we um, need to be aware of as we start to look at owning something. But I thought before we dive back into that. Oh, okay. I thought I would, I, w- I thought I would tell you a little story today. I think just, just for fun. I think you'll enjoy this. And I think you already know this, but I'm going to do it Let me just anyway. make a note of what we were about to talk about and then yeah, we yeah, won't forget. Yeah, yeah, just make a small note. Okay, sure. Right? Ready. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so this is, here, here's what I want you to understand is how, how critical, well, I'm just going to tell you the story. Okay. Let's say we're going to go play golf. Let's say you're going to go play golf with somebody and you say, look, just to make this a little more fun, let's bet on who wins each hole. Okay? Sure. Who bet? Okay. And let's just bet on the first hole for a penny. Okay. All right. All right. And then let's, and uh, you know, just so that you can kind of like if you lose when you're betting on red in, in a, on a roulette table, you can double your bet and maybe you'd win the next one and you break even. So the second hole, let's make it two cents. Okay. Okay. And the third hole, let's make it four cents. So there's always a chance you can double and, and get your money back. Mm-hmm. All right. And let's just do that for the 18 holes. Okay. Okay, cool. Now the real question here is what is the, what is the value of the penny, right? Is it really just a penny or is it a lot more? And as we get into this, I think you'll see what I mean. So if you follow the logic here, by the time we get to the 10th hole, we're not betting that hole for a penny or for two pennies. We're betting it for $10. How did we that get is to $10? by doubling a penny. Well, we went from one penny to two pennies. That's one double. Oh, we it's doubles. Cents. I thought it was just an extra penny every hole. No, it's extra. What well, it was one extra penny, then two extra pennies. Yeah, so yeah. Two to four, I thought it was like one plus four to two. Eight, one plus one. Eight to sixteen. Okay. Okay. okay sixteen okay. to thirty-two. Thirty-two to sixty-four. By the time we get to the tenth hole, we're at ten dollars. By the time we get to the eighteenth hole, we're playing that hole for two thousand six hundred. And if we're tied for the next two holes, we're playing that twentieth hole for ten thousand dollars for the hole. All right. Go doubling. That's pretty powerful, right? Yeah. Isn't that something? Okay. Is that really true? I'm not going to check you. I'm just going to assume that it's correct. Yeah, it's totally true. It's a stunning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So there's a story that I've told you before, and I just want to tell you it again in the context of this little game. And that is, it was told by an insurance, well, I don't know who it was told by, but it comes down to me that it was told by 
a guy in the elevator with Warren Buffett in Omaha going up to Buffett's office who works in the insurance industry. And he said they that Buffett came into the elevator and they started riding up and they saw that Buffett was looking at the floor. So this guy looks at the floor and there's a penny on the floor. And mm-hmm. he was saying, I'm just wondering if Warren Buffett, a multi-billionaire, is going to really seriously reach down and pick up a penny. And so we just stood there and when we got to Buffett's floor, the doors opened, he stepped outside and then he turned around and smiled at us and then reached down and grabbed the penny before the door closed. And before it closed, he said, start of the first, start of the next billion <laughs> and then walked away. Start mm-hmm. of the next billion. So the, the point of all this, Danielle, is that the people who generate enormous amounts of wealth by and large understand the power of compounding in a way that other people don't understand it. And I wanted to bring this up in this context of the matrix because what what it means to compound in my world and in your world of investing is first a good long-term investment. And then second, the patience with the sort of ups and downs, the patience to let this compounding thing happen. Yes, And it's extraordinary how people who don't understand generational wealth um, do pretty much by gut, by just going with the emotions, the exact opposite of what you ought to do. And by that I mean, if an investment is going up, people who don't understand generational wealth start to become fearful that the profits will go away. And they'll sell, they'll sell this wonderful investment after it maybe doubles. Now, ask me how I know. Because I've don't done have that to. <laughs> many, many times. Yeah, it's it's one of the most frustrating things for me to do. And if you've been on this podcast with me for eight years, you know I've done it repeatedly. And it's very, very frustrating. And it's something that Buffett is way better than me at. And just t- just sitting there and letting it compound. Um, whereas somebody who's a bad investor, first they might they're going to get out too soon of a good investment and on a bad investment, they won't let it, they won't quit. They're sure that it's all going to turn around and they won't lose any money. Whereas a really good investor will see that the story has changed. The analysis is different and they're going to exit. So Warren Buffett is not only one of the best people at holding investments for a really long time. He's also one of the best people at getting the hell out when it isn't really is what he thought it was. I mean, I think um, what you're saying is totally right. I'm not sure it's people that don't understand generational wealth. I think it's people don't understand their investment. And so when something happens, the price goes up or goes down, whatever, something happens and you don't know why, that's terrifying for anybody. That's terrifying for the best investor in the world. If he doesn't know why that happened... He shouldn't be owning that either. So, well, I think you're really at the at the cause of those kinds of mistakes. Absolutely, yeah, exactly, hundred percent at the cause. I'm just thinking of two famous families that were out there: the Vanderbilt family and the Rockefeller family, both about the same time, extremely, extremely wealthy. And um, in the Vanderbilt family, what happened when Vanderbilt died is he gave his heirs the money. They got the money. Okay. And within forty years, his I mean, one his heir forty years later was bankrupt. Mm-hmm. 
and his mansion was being torn down. It was just a mm. wreck. Mm. Whereas Rockefeller didn't give his family the money. He set up a trust and the family could draw down on the trust on a limited amount. Mm. And here we are a hundred years later and they're still stinking rich because they have allowed that money. He, he, the trust put it away in investments at compound over long periods of time. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Right? As <laughs> yes. opposed to giving people the cash and allowing them to spend it. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, what I wanted to add here is that an investment, and we've had this talk before, but an investment, in my view, is an asset that produces cash flow. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't produce cash flow, it's not an investment. It's either a speculation or you're just buying stuff, right? So, for example, some examples of things that would be interesting investments that produce as their assets to produce cash flow would be that house we were talking about last week across the street that produces rent, rent income. That we call this cash flow owner earnings. Let's stay with that so, term. But let me just ask because the, it's sort of putting it this way is the first time I've heard of it. Um, the so you're saying it you think an investment is only something that produces cash flow while you own it not something that you would essentially buy and hold produces no cash flow while you hold it and then you sell it let's say at a huge profit that that would not be an investment under this definition but when i say when i say that the investment it's not an investment unless it's an asset that produces cash flow. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that you get the cash flow. I just mean that it produces it. So, for example, for years, Apple Computer never produced a dividend. You didn't get any money. Sure. Yeah. But they reinvested their cash flow. Yeah. And they had income. the value yeah. of the business improved. Yeah. Right. So. I'm I'm really happy. That's a that's a sort of a second layer of understanding about investments, that. Uh, well, the reason I'm asking this is that, that you've produces- often brought up an example of an investment as somebody who goes and buys fur coats at garage sales and then resells them. And you've never talked about that as a speculation. But a fur coat doesn't produce uh, cash Fair flow. enough. Ah, damn, you're so good at... No, I'm just, one, I'm just trying to figure metaphor. this out. Yeah, but you're making a very good point. So I would say that somebody who is um, buying a, a mink coat say um and then flipping it yeah is and they're doing so that's that's an investment for them they're very knowledgeable they're taking something and turning it into cash so because i actually I, think I, you're I'll right have to expand my i i i think you're right i think that's not an investment i think that is a speculation because if the day after that person buys the mink coat finally everybody else comes around and realizes that animals are being tortured for those things and they stop buying them on the secondhand market the bottom okay. drops out you got I a whole bunch of fur abs- coats in your closet that produce nothing thank you i'm i'm withdrawing my uh, i think you're right my rejection of my own idea i think i'm right too <laughs> and the reason i, I want think to say I'm that right sometimes i'm withdrawing exactly my rejection of my own idea <laughs> i am i really enjoy that because you're right 100 percent right that it's a speculation because if you hold it, if you're stuck with it, right. If you're stuck it does with you it, no good. Yeah. Does you no yeah. good. I mean, I guess it, you can wear that's them. That's such a brilliant insight, Danielle. Well done. So 
for Let example, me write that down, my brilliant um, insight. If you're stuck with yeah, it. Yeah, so for example, you, if somebody sold you gold for, let's say, $1,000. Oh, that's a good example. For, for an ounce. <laughs> somebody sold you gold for $1,000, um, that would look pretty much like an investment, right? Because you can flip it. It's liquid. You can flip it almost immediately for $2,000. But you're right. Something could happen in the interim that would cause this thing to just sit there for you. Uh, maybe it drops to uh, uh, by 50% overnight for whatever reason. Yeah. And now you just own it and it does nothing. It does nothing. I mean, I will um, say I think gold's kind of in its own category because it's fungible for money, basically. That's a, if, we can, if we can make the case that Warren Buffett makes, gold is definitely in the category of an app of a non-investment asset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says gold does not count yep. as a... I mean, he's he has explicitly count. said it produces nothing. Yeah, you're right. And so one of the tests that Warren uses is to ask, if the market for this shut down for the next 10 years, would I be completely comfortable owning it? And so oh, yeah, that is at, how he says it. That's much better. Coat, yeah. Mm-hmm. You go, go buy that mint coat and all of a sudden you can't sell it for 10 years. You have no idea where the market's going to open for mint coats in 10 years. None. Right. Might not be a market in 10 years. Same thing for gold. You bought it for a thousand. Great. Well, now it's 500. So it's a big, big difference to understand an asset, investment asset being something that produces cash flow or in our terms, again, owner earnings. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that do that that we've owned over time since you've been a little kid with me. Um, it would be a farm. It produces cash flow from farming operations. We had oranges and peaches and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be an oil well that produces oil. Your great aunt had a lease on an oil well. Um, I didn't know that. Oil well, the, the oil company. Yeah, she made $20, $30 a year on that sucker. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Oh my gosh, not a big oil well person, but it's still, you know, whatever she paid for it was probably worth it. I didn't know we were an oil family. Oil family. (laughs) And so, you know, you can look at these things, and of course that house across the street produces owner earnings, and of course Apple Computer produces owner earnings, and owner earnings isn't necessarily money we put in our pocket. We, We would actually much prefer not to put it in our pocket if whoever's creating the owner earnings would please just get great returns yeah. on our money if they'll hold on compounding to, it, to which come is back to the beginning compounding that's where we were going and that's what makes these businesses so much different than everything else another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hmm. You know, the money you get off a house isn't going to be compounded by the by the house manager. He's not, you're just going to have to go spend it or you're going to have to go buy some other investment in order to compound the money, the owner earnings. But real compounding comes from the business itself compounding the owner earnings for you. 
And that is what we're really looking for. So just I just wanted to put that out there that the power of compounding is enormous to produce generational wealth. And that's what we'd all like to have. It requires a mindset that you're really going to own things that you're going to own forever. And the patience to let them alone and let them grow. You get some great company, let it alone, let it go. And, um, and Charlie reminded me many times, it's like, if you, if you can't stomach to see the company that you own go down in the market, have the price go down by 50%, you know, this is, this is the wrong game. Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to handle that mm-hmm. comfortably by having total comfort that you know what you own back to your original point. You know what you own. And that in our matrix is the high understanding part of the matrix. Then we went to the low understanding, which is, okay, now you're going to study this stuff because you think it might be on sale and bring yourself up to a high understanding. This a high understanding is just massively critical because of the power of compounding not happening unless you can leave these things alone. Yes. You sell them. Yes. That's the end of it. Yes. Okay. So let's go over to the other side of the matrix then. Which okay, is wait, can we talk about high, the... Ooh, ooh, go ooh, ahead. All right, go ahead. What? All right, go ahead. What'd you, you had a question. Well, it's not a question. It's like from what we said, you were saying at the end of the last episode that the way you were describing the way that you decided to stop researching the weather around Netflix. And the way that oh, you... Oh, that left with you a question, did it? Not a question. An insight. <laughs> An insight. I don't want to have to reject my own rejection of my own insight. I take it back. The rejection <laughs> of my did. rejection of my own insight. I was, I was too quick to think I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. So. See, so you do that to me because you're so smart. So like, what you, like, but what you said yeah. was, because what we're getting at is where do you draw the line? Where do you the proverbial you who is tired at 10 o'clock at night, where do you draw the line on, I know enough about the weather? The company itself, like, I got that on lock. How do I know if I know enough about the weather? And what you said was that with your analyst telling you about Netflix and the weather around Netflix, you didn't know where to draw the line because this is somebody else's deep dive and you were right. processing your thoughts and information about inverting. it. And the way you did it was inverting. Yes. The way you inverted, found inverted, inverted, inverted. where the line was, was Ooh, you inverted. Insight. And I think yeah. that is brilliant because we can all do that. You don't need another person to do that it's nice it's helpful but like we don't need that and it's already part of the study in the company part of the practice mm-hmm. so we have experience with it so i thought that was so Let's interesting make sure everybody understands what we mean by inverting go ahead okay okay so inverting can be as simple as i got a question about this i mean it's just asking questions about the company that can be sophisticated or not very or whatever um and one way to get at the beginning of inverting is to look at why you would want to buy this business and then turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. Just go say, 
for example, I really want to own Chipotle Mexican Grill because it has this fabulous brand about being natural, organic, gourmet food, super cheap. It's gourmet well, fast medium, food. That's medium like, cheap, sort of. Not really cheap. all that cheap. Yeah. Really it's, worth it's, worth the price. <laughs> worth Yeah. So you got the point. It's got this great brand out there. And the inversion that was all over the internet after they had E. coli was look at the destruction of the brand. This is, oh, yeah. people got sick in the organic food place. Yes. Chipotle is toast, right? Frozen so pre-made is example. so much safer. Yeah. So that's a perfect example of the reason I want to buy it is because ABC, in this case, great organic natural food brand, super healthy. And oh, no, it's not. It's not super healthy. It's not. It does. It has a broken brand moat. And you're saying this was kind of want to buy it. The prevailing view at the time. That's a prevailing view at the time. Right. So basically take at least the top three reasons why you really want to own this business and turn them on its head. I want to own Apple computer because Steve Jobs is such a brilliant guy. Oh, yeah. Well, Steve Jobs is sick and dying and Tim Cook's going to take it over and there's nothing brilliant about him. Yeah. He's just an organizational guy. He's he's a really good operations guy. By the way, Steve Jobs. that was my inversion, and I had no answer yeah. to that, and I completely missed There's the no. boat. <laughs> I was I super wrong. I think I think Tim <laughs> I think Tim Cook surprised a lot of people. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I mean that that stock dropped like a brick when it was clear that Steve was very sick. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and that was because everybody thought Tim Cook was just an operations guy. Yep. Including me. I didn't have I mean, an answer just, to that just inversion. An operations guy. I'm not taking anything away from Tim being one of the best operations people in the world. Uh, but it also turned out he was pretty damn good at pushing along the product line that Steve had helped create. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's what we mean by inversion. Um, yeah. And so you invert, you invert, you invert until or, you can't or invert. Or tell me if this is, maybe, I guess we haven't talked about this for a while. The way that I think about inversions is... Here's a horrible scenario. What happens to this company? So like Good. In that situation, any, I guess my any version, reason not to buy it. Any reason not to buy it is an inversion. Yeah. Cuz that's where I go with the weather question is like there's a tsunami in off the coast of Japan. What happens to this, you know, grocery company in Minnesota? Maybe nothing. But maybe something like, do I know There's, the answer to that? And it's taking the weather a little more literally. I know, than but I that's meant. the stuff I think about. <laughs> I think this is why you little, don't. You that's don't. A little far I think this is why you maybe. thought this was not an interesting topic, and I was like, I need to know everything because you're oh like, why would anyone ever think of that? And no, because here's here, here's the answer to that, honey, is that we really require the competitive advantage to be so durable that it can overcome these sorts of infinitely numbers of inversions related to some nasty event that can happen around the world. So typhoon happens in Japan and it affects the supply of something to a grocery store. That's all Japanese food. And now they're in trouble. Okay, well, how big is their moat? A big moat company is going to get through that. And that eliminates so many issues. Hmm. The, the moat eliminates the issues. 
because think of mm-hmm. it as an, an attack. It's an yeah, attack on the right. castle. Yes. It's exactly. not going to last very long. It's a typhoon. It's not going to last a month. Right? Well, maybe and it lasts for two years, be, right? Wouldn't that be... Well, the supply chains could be disrupted for two years. Sure. Like one of but one of your favorite the, examples is that uh, t-shirt company or cotton company. And yeah, yeah, yeah. when the Those Arab Spring happened, the price of, co- of cotton went crazy. And, yeah, Gildan. Yeah, Gildan. And their stock price dropped because right. everyone thought like they're not going to recover from this for a long time. So if mm-hmm. you were an owner of Gildan before that happening and you had mm-hmm. never thought about, you know, I guess I'm sort of answering my own question actually in my well, head. So I was going to say, I was going to say you never about. thought about like a war in the Middle East affecting the t-shirt company. But what would be an obvious thing to think about is the price of cotton goes up like crazy yeah, price of cotton goes That's through the roof obvious. what happens because i've got these contracts so the cause of the cotton price rising maybe i don't have to come up with every possible cause of that but right. probably knowing about the price of cotton would be a good thing and like how and well, taking yeah. a guess on how that would affect the company right yeah but that shouldn't be something that hangs you up for very long because the moat of the company is relative to its competitors in the t-shirt business. So if there's a cotton problem, it's everybody's cotton problem. Right. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Right. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit like, let's say you're looking at an oil company like Occidental Petroleum who happens to have the lowest price, the lowest cost of producing a barrel of oil of any company in the country. So they have a they have the ability to keep making money when everybody else is losing money, which is a moat we call a price moat. Yes. Right? The, That's their a really costs good are moat. lower. Really good moat. Saudi Arabia's had that moat forever. Mm. Super mm-hmm. cheap oil to get out of the ground. But now it's not. Now it's much more expensive to get out of the ground over there. The Permian Basin, which Oxy's got a big position in, is super cheap. They're just going back into old wells and they're fracking them. And so their costs are much lower than they used to be. And so, you know, you look at that and just go, okay, well, if the price of oil goes down really a lot, then the price of Occidental Petroleum stock is going to go down with it. And you can look at any chart of any oil company and see that the prices of this stock is related to the price of oil. Okay. But is that going to be a forever problem that oil prices are going to go down forever or not? And that's, that's where you would answer the inversion to your comfort, right? You don't have to think of all the reasons why oil prices are going to go down. Just are you comfortable that this condition will be resolved and this company will make money in the future? Gotcha. That's what you have to decide. That's harder with Occidental than it is with something like a Chipotle, right? So, yeah. So I think we better get over to the matrix here. Okay. On the other side where we've talked about on the right side of the matrix, where we have still a high understanding, but the value divided by the price is not high, it's low. So in this case, that house that we wanna buy across the street, we have a very high understanding of it. Uh, Unfortunately, they want $400,000 for it, and we think it's worth 200. Mm -hmm. So now we've got a value of 200 divided by 400, and that's a 0.5 ratio, which is low. 
And so we can't put this in the buy box, even though we have a really high understanding, but we want to buy it. So it goes into the box to the right of the buy box, which is called the watch box, or you got it down as a wish box, wish list, right? Wish list or any, in each case of these things, or you reject it, right? I mean, in other words, if you understand it really, really well, uh, and you don't want to buy it, then it's a rejection. It's gone. It's so gone it off of the list. maybe I research it more list. Yeah, it's done. You put it over on the, nah, I don't want this list. It's I understand it completely great and I'm not going to buy it. I don't like it. Oh, I thought you just weren't going to buy it because the price wasn't very good. Not, well, that's the watch list. Yeah. Wait, but what are you talking about? In each one of these, in each one of these boxes, there is sort of parenthetically the obvious alternative, which is rejected. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm done with you. I'm done Get with off you. my matrix. So, exactly. So just because you have a high understanding and, it, and the thing is on sale, it's a high value price ratio. It doesn't mean you're going to buy it. It means you're going to buy it or reject it. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. The price is low. Okay. Very high understanding. Okay. I'm either going to put it on my watch list or I'm going to reject it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So if it goes on my watch list, what I'm really doing there is, I, again, there's a continuum of how high your understanding is. I can continue to learn more about that company, but it's probably a much lower priority than continuing to learn about companies that, that are ready to be bought. Yeah. And on those, one thing you said before that I wrote down was really helpful, that when you get to a level of repetitiveness in what in your in the reading, that's when you can pretty much be like, all right, I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to move on. My understanding is quite high. I'm aware yeah. of the weather. That's yeah. where that's where the line is. Basically, is like now let's now let's stop there, and that goes on the watch list. I like the company. There's not a lot of reason to put a ton of time into this right here. We we do what's we call a pitch deck, which is sort of like if you were to walk into my office and tell me about a company, it would be a format to do that. Yeah. Tell me about it, you know, in, in a few minutes. Um, and by the time we get done with the watch list, we probably put in eight to 10 hours, something like that, and have a pretty good understanding of the business, enough to say, yeah, this isn't for us, or it is for us, but the price is just way too high so let's not spend a lot of time on this right now let's go see if we can find something that's more viable that's a useful format pitch decks um and for anybody who's not familiar just google pitch decks and like a million of them will come up and you'll see a lot of examples and there's some that have a hundred slides they're usually in slides and a hundred some will have a hundred slides and some will have ten and some will have five yeah and generally i would say Shorter is better because the whole point is to have um, kind of a Cliff's Notes about a company. And if you ever want to see some uh, professionals going through their pitch deck, sign up for one of these hedge fund conferences. You know, it might cost you, I don't know, $600 or something to go to one. Um, A a one-day conference. And what you'll see is almost all day long, they'll be in there uh, looking at, you'll probably have five, super professional hedge fund managers who are billionaires or multi, multi, multi millionaires from successful investing going through their pitch deck on a company. 
That's a great idea. Um, David yeah. Einhorns are, are famous for, for doing these great pitch decks. You get an idea of what it looks like. You're talking about something that would take, I don't know, 10, 10 to 20 minutes to go through. Yeah, half exactly. An hour maybe. Exactly. The something idea like is that. like imagine pitching investors and the idea is you don't want the investors to get bored. So you try to keep it right. on the shorter thing. side. Um, so, so let's before, pause here and then here, and then... I, Go wait, talk wait, about the next thing. one next time. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, we're so close to being done with this, aren't we? Yeah, that's why we'll talk about it thing? next time. Okay. Okay, but we got to go through the priority list, which we sort of started. And we have to go. There's a little bit left. All right, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> priority oh, list. Yeah. That's new. This is why we do yeah. this is why we do a, a series list. because there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> it's not because we're bored with it. It's because we want to no, talk I'm not about bored it. With it at all. I, I love this thing. What it's, did you just really say? Priority cool. list? Um, priority list. Yeah. Like a priority list. Like a priority list? Yeah. Wait, a priority list though. Where, like a priority list? Yeah, where do priority, like where do we put our time? Like a like how you prioritize. Like a list yes. of priorities? Yes. <laughs> Are you all right? <laughs> oh, my God. Messing with your dad. Because you said priority all list right. like a priority list. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> okay. I don't know why she's... Okay. I'm Okay. Enough of this. Not for this. <laughs> Until next time. time. Play. Thanks, everybody. See you. Bye. Bye bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.